This is the Three to Win Podcast, sharing optimal steps to win your day, month, and year. Your money and your life are like crossroads, and when they meet, true success can be discovered. Our Real Talk conversations are about creating fulfillment throughout your life's journey. And now, here is the Life Architecture team. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Three to Win podcast. Or if you've not been here before, welcome for the first time. If you haven't been here before and you're not here now, then you're probably not hearing this. So we are so excited to be part of your journey. I am Rich Blooney. We have Matt Marcoux and John Kennedy. The Three to Win podcast is all about winning, winning your life, winning your success, winning your family, winning your existence, winning your money, trying to bring all that together. So we've already done a couple of podcasts. This is, I think, number three, if I'm not mistaken. This one is going to be about something that maybe a few of you out there can kind of relate to. Entrepreneurship. Just even saying the word is hard. So if you look at the definition, it is a noun. I remember that from Schoolhouse Rock. A lot of you older people know what I'm talking about. A person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. Interestingly, it Its origins are early 19th century French, meaning the director of a musical institution. So being an entrepreneur is all about music. And I don't know about y'all, but entrepreneurship is a song that I have not sung until recently. Guys, do you think that people are maybe a little as scared, as I used to say, of being an entrepreneur? Well, sure. I think it's a scary word. And, you know, you had mentioned a couple weeks ago when we were filming the first show, I said the word entrepreneurship and you go, "Ooh, yeah, don't say that word. That freaks me out. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, well, that's really interesting. We need to address that. And we decided to just make it a show instead. Well, I, I think two things freak me out. Entrepreneurs, uh, not entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurship and clowns. And I would imagine <laughs> like starting my own clown business. Oh, an entrepreneur clown. That would freak me out probably That's double. gotta be a thing. Well, my know. son hates balloons. So anytime we go somewhere and they're making these balloon figures, we have to like run the other direction. And so I, I can if relate you to that. threw balloons in there too, that would be the That would be terrifying. Though. So, you know, for, for people that are listening out there, you know, they might be all across the spectrum. They might be, you know, a, you know, a 27 year old who's just starting for the first time. They might be, you know, a 40 year old who's, you know, recently found themselves in a different work situation. They might be someone like me who's 52 going on 53. I don't look a day over 51. Um, who's just now entering the entrepreneur world. And luckily I'm doing it with two pros who've done it already. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. So why it's scary. I think for me, it's how I grew up. So I had a great dad. I've talked about my dad before. Um, you know, my dad was a master at taking things like old furniture, refinishing them. You know, I don't know exactly what that's called, refurbishing, refinishing, but he was known for that and he would do it for fun. And he would take people's old tables, old dining room tables, chairs, whatever, reupholster, repaint. I mean, just by the time he was done with these things, they looked like works of art. And people would constantly say to my dad, why don't you go into business for yourself? You know, Jack, you should do this. You make a million dollars. And my dad was born in 1930. So part of his life was during the depression, earlier part of his life. And I heard stories about him stealing potatoes from, you know, outside vegetable stands and cooking them in junkyards so that he could eat. I mean, literally. My dad used to always say, you get a job, you stick with it, you get a pension, you retire. Unfortunately, he never even got to experience that because he died at a young age. And and that was kind of such a, a sad thing for him. But I always think in his short life, how good he was at something and the fact that he was afraid 
to be an entrepreneur. He was afraid of, you know, as the definition, actually it's built into the definition, taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. You know, and I wonder, no, no, I don't wonder. Like, I know for sure that contributed to me being scared of being an entrepreneur because I saw that example of a very hardworking person who always provided for his family, um, but that was afraid of, of taking that leap. You know, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Where, where does that come in for you? You know, I talked about it on one of our old podcasts, you know, in relating it back to my dad. My dad gave me the whatever it takes attitude. So when I was starting out becoming a financial advisor, uh, you know, I had I had a singular focus to do that. And that singular focus, though, was not providing enough for, for my family at the time. And so I actually, at the very beginning of my career, I actually worked three jobs in order to become a financial advisor. I worked at a, um, a, a reservation company at night. Um, I worked at uh, selling health insurance and, and, you know, doing things on the side. And one of those jobs was also being um, a, a, um, a valet at uh, one of the local uh, hotels here. So, uh, you know, for me, it was whatever it took to get my goal. I, I did any other job or anything I needed to do in order to make that goal successful. And so, you know, it, the funny story for that one was, uh, you know, I, I worked with, I met with someone during the day with a with a suit and tie. Yeah. Uh, at night, I would go valet cars to, you know, get some money. And um, I valeted that same person's car that, that day that I met with them. Wow. So someone, you know, come, came in, you know, to, to did they recognize you or did you put your hat down? Yeah, no, I, I stood behind a column. Um, it was, it was a wholesaler for, for an, an investment company. Uh, she met with me that day. She happened to just be staying at the same hotel that I was a valet at. Um, and I went to go park her car that night. At, at that point I knew it was time to switch gears and to probably step it up. But, um, you know, it was that whatever it takes attitude. And I feel like that's sometimes what people are lacking is is understanding that you might have to do some other things in order to achieve the goal that you're trying to set out at, especially being an entrepreneur, because we know the facts are working against you. We know that 80% of small businesses fail. Um, John, you had a really good one about how many businesses are created every hour. Yeah, I actually heard that on a different show and I had to fact check it, but there are in America 11,400 startups created every single hour and 3% of them are still here after one year. Wow. Which is interesting, but you know what I, what I what you were saying is and it made me think this like what's the commonality that most thriving entrepreneurs have? It, it's got to be the the drive and the work ethic to to have that like can do like will do anything attitude to make this work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's, you know, one of those if you looked at maybe some of the traits of entrepreneurs, it's that overwhelming drive to put everything else aside within reason and to focus on on that on that goal but you also have to have your ducks in a row you can't just willy-nilly just step off that ledge quit your job and go you know i think uh, you know part of what you've mentioned in the past john is you've got to have your ducks in a row before you do this well Well, what's interesting to me is that um i'm gonna i'm gonna flip the script and say it actually scares me not to be an entrepreneur like it, it it freaks me out even more the idea that i would spend 40 60 80 plus hours a week doing something for someone else, like not doing the thing that I'm in complete control of, loving what I do as a career, as a profession, like that freaks me out more. And and being at a at a at a position where I'm doing it for someone else, like that's actually that sounds worse to me than being an entrepreneur. So let me just ask you this then, because for people that are listening, when you say you know have a whatever it takes attitude, um, you got that from your dad. 
right? So let's say someone doesn't have that. You know, they, they, they have a desire within them, like you were saying, John, like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to yeah. do my own thing, be my own boss, create my own stuff. I have this great idea. I'm passionate about art or I'm passionate about painting or I'm passionate about car repair or whatever it is. What if you just, you know, there's people that look in the mirror and maybe just didn't have that great example. They didn't have that great dad who said whatever it takes. Let me ask you a hard question. I don't mean to throw, throw you a curveball, but if you don't have that whatever it takes, if that's just something that's just like maybe not natural to you, I think what blocks that is fear, right? So I want to do this. I, I, I want to go all in. I want to have whatever it takes, but I'm afraid. So if I were sitting in front of you as somebody, Matt, who has that whatever it takes and grew up with that and that was embedded in you, what do you tell me? What do you tell a listener that's listening? It's like, yeah, but you know, I was never told I could do it. I was never told to have whatever it takes. I was always told, stay in line, do what you're supposed to do. Don't try to stick out. What do you tell them? Yeah, it's something that actually John's taught me is is write it down. You know, it's, it's one thing to have all of this in your head. It's another thing to have it on a piece of paper. Um, and some goals and make them short-term, intermediate, long-term goals and check those off. You know, I'm, I'm very much against doing that, but John has instilled in me over the years that he carries, you still carry around a journal with you, right? Your, your daily planner. And I, I make fun of him sometimes about it, but <laughs> it, that's part of what allows him to get to the point where he knows what the next task is and, and to check off that, that, that short-term goal of, whatever it is in order to get to the long-term goal. So it's the organization, it's the planning, um, and that's step one. How about, what about doing like a, a worst case scenario assessment? Um, I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about this before and it's kind of a cool concept. Like you, I think it's maybe on a scale of one to 10, you, you think through the thing it is you're, you're looking to achieve, whether it's starting your own business, becoming an entrepreneur or whatever. In the context of what we're talking about, that's what that would be. And on a scale of one to 10, like what is the worst pain that you would experience by taking that leap and doing that thing? So if you identify that it's a four out of 10 and you look back and you say, well, okay, over the next 24 months, I'm going to take the leap and do this thing. But after 24 months, well, what was my worst case scenario? It's really, it feels like a 10 out of 10 when you're making that leap. But in reality, you can always go back and get a job, right? Like you, you're, you're likely employable. You can always go back and do the thing that you were doing before you took that jump. So a lot of people put that fear in their mind that the worst case is actually far worse than what the reality is. And I think the other thing kind of tying together what you both said is a lot of times fear comes from, you know, you, if you're going to mountain climb, right? You look at this gigantic mountain and you go, how am I ever going to get to the top of that? but you don't climb a mountain all at once, right? So it's really not about, oh my gosh, look at this gigantic thing I'm trying to achieve. It's literally, as you're saying, step one, small step, walk up to the mountain. Well, maybe step one, take mountain, mountain climbing classes, get a trainer, pack, get a, the, bag. pack a bag, have some <laughs> granola bars, water. But other than that, it's step one, have all your stuff and get be ready for it. Step two, walk up to the mountain. Step three, put your first hooks or put your fingers or whatever, put your boots into the side of the mountain and take those first couple of steps. And I think for somebody like me and for some of our listeners, that fear piece comes from standing back and looking at this insurmountable, no pun intended, goal where there's this gigantic mountain and you're like entrepreneurship and I've got my family and I've got my mortgage and I've got my kids and I've got the car payment. How can I possibly do this? And then tying in with what John said, which is sitting down and going, okay, 
what is the worst case scenario if I do this, but also tying in with what Matt said, let me now start writing this out. So maybe I don't leave my job. Maybe I first start taking these online classes in, you know, how, how to upstart, a, a, what licenses I need to be a mechanic. I don't know, I'm making that up, right? And, and so maybe I start looking into that while I'm working my regular job. And then I take the next step, which is maybe talking to someone who's already done it. Then I take the next step, the next step, the next step. I, I think what I'd like to clarify too is that it's not common for someone to just press pause, time out on their current profession, and then take that leap. It's exactly like you said. It's so often that it starts off as a side hustle or it starts off as a nights and weekends thing. You've got to build and accumulate to it, just like you said. And we, um, Matt and I have been reading this book called Traction. And one of the concepts of the book they talk about is pick to the stick. Do you remember that analogy in the book, pick to the stick? The idea is it, it, they were... They were talking about these um, these farmers that were business owners, and they would look across. They were cotton farmers. They'd look across their their cotton field and go, "There's no way we're going to do all. Like, how are we going to do all this today?" So they picked up the stick and they'd throw it and they'd pick to the stick. They would break it down in little chunks instead of seeing that insurmountable task that feels impossible. So like in a really like lazy day, would they pick the person that could throw this? Throw like the, the least, least like, yeah. right? Like you, you do not want the kid that was like the star pitcher in high school and be like, no, John's not throwing the stick today. We're tired. <laughs> yeah. so. Like, hold on, get our three-year-old to throw this stick like <laughs> well, two but, feet away. But what I like the idea of that is, is, is again, you know, when I look, when if I just hold the mirror up for myself, my big fear of entrepreneurship was the risk involved and that if I do this, is there any coming back for me? Am I going to destroy my, is everything going to fall apart? And, and I love this concept of maybe just picking small chunks at a time, maybe, you know, picking your stick, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the first month on, on research. I'm going to spend the second month. But I think without a plan, you kind of flounder and you get intimidated, so right? So, you, you know, you definitely need the plan, but you also need to be uncomfortable a bit, right? So if you're comfortable, mm. you have that employee benefit, you have that nice, you know, uh, pension or, or that salary coming in, you're very comfortable. Why would you make yourself uncomfortable. So you have to find out what, what drives you, what would make you uncomfortable enough for you to say, it is time for a change and I wanna make that change. And then start the plan and start the, that whole process. Really quick, because I think we're gonna do probably a whole podcast on being uncomfortable. What I love about this is let's just call it out. Because I think if we call it out, let's just say what people are thinking. Right away, just round robin, starting with John, sure. what's something that you think makes people uncomfortable when they think about the idea of entrepreneurship? money for sure. The idea of not having enough money three, six, nine months down the line. Okay. Matt, what's something that makes failure? It? The numbers are stacked way against you on paper. Um, it's not to you actually get into it to you see, hey, this is actually going to happen. This is going to succeed. Failure is not an option. But you read every book out there and failure is the number one thing you see when a small business is, is right. starting. And for me, it's probably the the fear of not being able to go back. It's the fear of like you fall into this bottomless pit and you're stuck and you know, you have this dream of opening up, you know, the world's greatest sewing machine repair shop and then all of a sudden you're like, wait. No one's sewing, and then you just feel like there's no turning back. So, real quick, round robin, John, go to yours. So, sure. the thing, how do you? What would be your advice to someone who comes to you and says, "This is my, this is my concern. This is my block." Well, I, I think that financial preparedness leads to emotional readiness. Like you, it, it's, it's one thing to be ready to take that leap, but in order to take those little baby steps or micro steps to get ready to take that leap, 
you need to feel comfortable that you're going to have enough in your emergency bucket or that you have a crisis budget that your family can still live on or thrive on while you're making that transition. So, and and this looks different for every business owner and entrepreneur, but you know, understanding what your I mean, maybe it starts with like literally even understanding your numbers and like your daily finances, mm-hmm. but you you've got to have an emergency bucket and you have to have that financial pre- preparedness because otherwise you'll never be emotionally ready. So it's just like the concept of, you know, the mountain climbing, right? So yep. it's the financial preparedness using the mountain climbing analogy means like like Matt was saying, pack the bag, have enough granola bars, have enough water, think it through, process it out. And all the while, you could be looking at the mountain, but don't approach the mountain until you've had some of your bags packed. In other words, financial preparedness. Of course, yeah. And so, Matt? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go back to the whatever it takes attitude. And it's not just you know talking about uh, maybe you have to have a side hustle while you're creating this, this business, but it's also being obsessed with it. It's being a student of whatever craft that you're looking to do. It's, it's studying it and knowing every single angle of what this new venture looks like for you and being extremely prepared for it. And I think if you do that and you have the whatever it takes attitude, failure is just not an option. You, you might pivot away from what the original goal was, but you're never gonna fail if you have those, those that mentality. I've always heard from people that were really successful that the most successful people, their work kind of feels like play. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to imagine. You know, I mean, unless you're like a rock star, you know, an actor, you know, something that sounds like a lot of football, you know, a sports celebrity or whatever. Wait, are, are they sports celebrities? I guess you could be a you're a sport, you're an athlete. Why did I say all sports? Ath- all athletes are sports celebrities sports now. Cele- so a celebrity within sports. I don't know why that came out. It just came out that way. Sometimes it's just the words. I have like the word jumble in my head. But no matter what, I think when you have the idea of work feeling like play, that it becomes, because like you guys really love what you do. I mean, in yeah. all, you know, I'm just saying this not only as a friend, but somebody who doesn't do what you do, but you guys love what you do. While you certainly have tougher days than others, you are passionate about it. You know, I, you know I've been a nurse for 27 years and I'm not clinical anymore, but I I loved what I did. I loved the excitement of what I did. I love what I do now. I love doing this. So I, I love this whole idea of being obsessed with it because I, I think obsessed in a, in a good way, not in like a stocky, scary, like, mm-hmm. like, hello, Clarice, not like that, but obsessed with it where it's what you dream about. It's what you think about. And then that, that falls into line with then starting to build the plan around it. And I think most successful entrepreneurs, I would imagine, or people that were really in love with the idea of what they were doing, with the with the art of what they were doing, et cetera. What, you were going to say something, John. Well, back to what Matt was saying about failure. I think what's interesting is, um, you know, we all experience micro failures along the way, however we define that. But it's really like how you pick yourself up and, and dust yourself off and keep going at it. Right, Matt? I mean, I think regardless, you know, over the last few years as we've created and built our company, there's things along the way that happened that maybe didn't go the way we wanted to. But do you either learn from that? Like, do you lean into that, learn from that and and keep moving forward? Or do you stay defeated in that and just, you know, lick your wounds? You know, yeah, like, I think we always take everything as a learning lesson. Yeah. And we just, even the failures, even the mistakes that are made, if you can't learn from those, what what is the point? It's well, like I, failure is not an option because failure is just not even a word in our vocabulary, really. Like, it's just a lesson. It's, it's education. It's a lesson. It's yeah. education. I mean, you know, if you look at failure as education, I think in life, it doesn't feel good. I mean, fail, just, I mean, come on, guys. Everybody listening, like, you're know, like rolling their eyes when somebody goes, there's no failure. There's a, but really, when you think about it, it doesn't feel good, but you still learn from it. I mean, you know, some of the hardest classes you ever took in your life, they didn't feel good, but but you learned from them. I don't know, for me, 
my takeaway, you know, for this, you know, because one, one of the things that we want to try to do with this podcast is not only just have the, these, you know, discussions, but to give you some, some things. So, you know, um, I, I think for me, it's understanding that that fear comes from somewhat of an irrational place. Sometimes for me, it does maybe for someone else, it doesn't, but my whole life being afraid of being an entrepreneur was because my dad didn't do it. You know, just like my fear of wanting to understand the market or how to invest or how to take care of my money was because, you know, not in a bad way, not meaning to do so, but maybe I heard a lot, you don't know how to handle money or as a child, you know, money, money falls through your fingers, no problem. And that stuff gets embedded in you and you start to actually believe it. It becomes part of who you are. But the cool thing about being an adult is not only do you get to decide when to eat dessert, but you get to decide who you are and what you're going to be. You're not a victim. You're not stuck in that language. So I want to make sure that we, we send people off with some very clear kind of three things. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to toss the ball kind of to Matt, because Matt, you've kind of said it a few times, but I think it's worth saying again, what's your, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, three ways for people to win, how, what are the three things that we could share that people can win in this whole striving to be an entrepreneur and getting over the fear, getting over that mountain? Yeah. You know, again, it's that whatever it takes attitude and to, you know, kind of bring it back to what you just said is this gig economy we're in right now, you know, there is someone out there that is specialized and focused on whatever it is that you are not good at doing. So if you're looking to start that 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 business, you're looking to be an entrepreneur, and you say, "Listen, I don't know how to handle the books. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to do bookkeeping." Guess what? There's someone out there that is paid hourly or paid per gig that will handle the books for you. Yes, and I know it costs money and it takes some money on the upfront to do these things, but you don't have to be good at every single element of the business. If you have that idea, you have that drive, and you have that passion, there's nothing literally that can stop you from doing that. You just have to focus it down, and I'm stealing John's a little bit, but you have to do a little bit of planning behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm going to reiterate what I said before, which is financial preparedness will lead to emotional readiness. Like you, you you're not going to feel comfortable unless you've got, you know, you feel like your finances are in a good place, right? I mean, we're we're we all think about that. We all think about our money on a daily basis, and so how hard would it be to make that leap if you only have one month of of cash flow in your in your savings account. So whatever that means for somebody, but having that fi- financial preparedness is so important. You know, for me, I have to tell you that this has been a journey. I've already said my age, you know, I'm in my 50s and you know, it's a little intimidating to to begin to start your own business, to do your own thing. I'm the classic example of kind of one of the examples we gave where, you know, I still make sure that I'm, you know, high functioning, that I have my full job, that I'm, you know, working really hard as as my entrepreneurship grows along with you guys as my partners. But I think what might help people get over their fear is understanding, and this is something I actually learned from Jim Rohn, so I take no credit for this, and I'm not going to quote him directly, but uh, a great business speaker and thinker and writer, Jim Rohn, talked about that while in our life we cannot undo certain decisions that we've made, what we can do is change our direction. So you're you're stuck with a decision that you've made. You can go back and change things. That's direction. But if you've decided on a particular haircut, for those of you that have hair, I don't. But if you've decided on a particular haircut, you cannot undo that decision. What you can do is change your direction. Allow your hair to grow out, change it up, shave it off, whatever you want to do. 
And I think that what people believe, what I've always believed, is once you make the decision to be an entrepreneur, that's it, you're stuck, your life is over, if it doesn't succeed, you're gonna you know, be broke, living on the streets and have no opportunity. And yet that's not true. You can make the decision to be an entrepreneur and then as, as you both said, something goes wrong, something falls apart, Maybe you press pause, you go back, you kind of change direction, you pivot, you do something in a different direction. I always think about where ice cream cones came from, right? So you guys know where ice cream cones came from? So, okay, I'm going to tell you. So it it was at a World's Fair. I don't know the exact year, but it was at a World's Fair. And this may be mythological, but y'all Google. Google's the thing. Look it up. But apparently at a World's Fair, there was a guy selling waffles and there was a guy selling ice cream. And the dude selling ice cream ran out of little cups to put the ice cream in. So he sold tons of ice cream, but no way to sell it. The guy that was selling waffles wasn't doing as well, but he had tons of waffles. The dude selling ice cream kind of went across the the hallway I picture and they probably, I picture him with like a bowler hat and like the little this curvy mustache. definitely like in the 1900s. Well, it somehow, was, yeah. and I picture him going, hello mate. Well, I don't know why he talked like that, but let's just say, because it, it, was, it, it was an American. It was a World's Fair. Yeah, so it was a World's Fair. He's like, hello mate, I seem to have run out of cups, but I see you have some waffles. Can I borrow one? And the waffle guy was, why sure, you can borrow, I don't know why he talked like that either. Sure, you could borrow some of my waffles. Waffles are soft. How yeah, does this work though? Just hold you... up, bro. Okay. So the dude took the waffles and rolled it into a cone and started putting ice cream, and that's how we started selling it. People were all into this, and Definitely then the next thing you know, we have the makings. If you don't believe it, you have you after we're done, go look this up. this up. But after you know, all of a sudden, the dude was selling left and right, and then that became his product. So think about this: he made a decision to sell ice cream. He made a mistake in his plan. He didn't have enough cups. Ran out of cups, but he was able to change direction, get some waffle business, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, we have waffle cones, ice cream cones. Boom! There you have it. So I God think, bless those two guys. I know. Person. I mean, I know, but that's the, that's what I'm, that's what I want to leave people with. You are not stuck with your decisions. No matter what decisions you have made in your life, there is always an opportunity to change direction. And speaking of direction, I think we're about to wrap it up here on this episode of three to win on behalf of Matt, on behalf of John and myself, Rich, we want to be just so thankful that you're joining us. We're so grateful for you being here. Please like it. Please feel free to comment, share with all your peeps. We love you guys. And we hope you'll come back for another episode. Have an amazing day. Thanks for listening. Three to Win is a podcast for the high-achieving self-starter that understands there has got to be a better way to maximize their potential. You can help us create impact by sharing this with a friend or rating and reviewing our podcast.